do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. And we're back roaming the streets of Haddonfield. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike in a moment, as I guess instead of Oscar, we're being joined in theory, in spirit, by a third Michael, that being Michael Myers, as we have our Halloween Kills preposode on deck for all of you today. This had to happen after the latest trailer, after the final trailer. I think we've been jonesing for an episode like this for a while, Michael, and I think we're going to, you know, foolishly try and do like a half hour, but this is completely ballooned into a full episode. <laughs> and it, it, we just have to. We just have to give this movie the preview it deserves, at least in terms of our chronology of, yeah. of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the podcast here, because we did that MMO Does Halloween rewatch series. Might have been the best stuff we've ever done. It was very good, and I was going to say, this episode is going to fit at home now uh, with those episodes and with that playlist. If you hit the playlist tab on our SoundCloud, you can see uh, our Halloween, MMO Does Halloween playlist now should be at the top there, and when we put this episode up, uh, that playlist may be at the top of our SoundCloud page anyway, but yeah, those episodes got a little bloated and overwrought and a little ridiculous, and so will this one as well, according to what we have down on the page, but that's what we're doing today. We are going to preview Halloween Kills by reviewing a quick uh, recap of what happened in 2018's Halloween, reviewing and giving our reactions to the final trailer for Halloween Kills before we go into a couple more fun segments and talk about uh, what we think is going to happen, what other people have already said has happened. Uh, We will remain spoiler-free, so we're not going to give anything away outside of uh, a couple general reviews from a couple critics that won't really give anything away about what happens in the plot of Halloween Kills. But yeah, we always get excited to talk about our favorite Michael who goes knife happy this time of year. Yeah, I guess you could say that and put it that way uh, if you're a lunatic like yourself. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, your, your, your social media presence, according to your fandom here, scares me. Your general mm-hmm. disposition on this franchise mm-hmm. scares me. I I really am, uh, you know, I really am unnerved about you uh, throughout this whole process. This has always been the case with you and Halloween Kills, you and Halloween here. We haven't even gotten to Scream. You got to wait until January, but Scream and Halloween are, uh, are two very near and dear to my heart. So, I'm excited. I, I, I cannot wait for this movie, uh, despite every critic's best attempts to, to kind of water down our expectations, but we'll get into that. Let's start, Michael, by revisiting the 2018, the first part of this trilogy, David and Gordon Green's Halloween. Yeah, we, you have been watching this movie monthly, weekly. <laughs> I have finally revisited this movie, so I'm going to kind of give my takeaways from it, and there might be spoiler-ish stuff here, so fast forward like 10 minutes if you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to know about spoilers from Halloween, the 2018 film. I think you meant no spoilers for Halloween Kills. How could yes. we? However, we might just predict exactly what happens based we on will. how we as, as true to our form and our track record, yes, we're always 100% accurate. So that's why our preview episodes play... Before and after film, so that's it's not just a prep episode. It's a it's a you know proof of our you know uh, genius oracle <laughs> abilities. Michael, main takeaways: a truly awful nails on a chalkboard opening scene. Awful. I mean, I, I, I'm so upset that you feel that way. Awful. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's screaming. Yeah. 
It's disconcerting. It puts you on edge. It's making you wonder what the hell is going to happen. When's the fir- when's the next shoe going to drop? It lets you know right from the start you're in for something spooky and weird. Well, weird for sure. Uh, but all, it's like Honeyland yelling. It's just this is a me thing. It's just seven different voices yelling in strange ways i'm never going to be in for i am kind of in for the premise that it starts with a pair of nosy podcasters so that's kind of fun (laughs) near and dear to our heart yes (laughs) but i love practically everything else in this movie with with maybe an exception or two so that was that was a, a a strange moment for me where i was worried about revisiting this film and this franchise like wait did Mike just cast a spell on me during that time? <laughs> was I just trying to please him? Was it, what 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 happened? Because sometimes I'll do this. I'll cater. I'll pander. I'll do this. I I'm as guilty as anybody. And you know, I, am I just lacking a backbone at that point? But <laughs> no, I think the movie does deliver. There is an element to having had to wait so long between entries into the franchise and having this be like a new starting point and kind of retconning the what will be canon for this trilogy that i think aided the watching of it in 2018 Mm. uh some stuff you know if you're going into it with just taking it on face value as as a critic yeah there's some stuff that kind of falls flat and there's some stuff that's a little ridiculous and over the top but i mean you know it's halloween it's like the what 11th entry into a series It, it yeah you're gonna get stuff that's over the top the Halloween night, though, that trick-or-treating montage, that steady cam following Michael around the neighborhood so good. as the trick-or-treating commences might be some of the scariest stuff in a horror movie in a long time. It is truly terrifying, where I think the fact that we're older and part of our communities and kind of bouncing around our neighborhoods now with with an I guess with a understanding that these are just regular people, home from work, whatever, in and out. Rather than when we were kids, we were like, "Yeah, kill everybody." We're, we're <laughs> insane people, which is you might still be. I don't know. Who yeah, I'm still to. rooting for him to just. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> the fact that he just goes from one door to the next and kills and kills and kills some more is utterly terrifying. At the randomness of it, at the oh my god, that that yeah. sequence. It is incredible as a horror movie sequence. I I cannot tell you how freaked the hell out I was. So well lit, so well blocked, so well shot. Uh, I watched a uh, a vignette of Jamie Lee Curtis and David Gordon Green talking about that shot, and David Gordon Green was talking about how much preparation and just how much they had to rehearse it for everything to go right, because that truly is a one shot. It's a one take of following Michael all the way through. But yeah, I mean... (sighs) That was awesome. It was so good. There were so many moments in the 2018 Halloween that were not only great movie moments, not only great horror moments, but for longtime fans of this series. And that certainly stands amongst the top of them. It was just so enrapturing. I mean, Michael's back doing what Michael does and it's terrifying and it's scary. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're responsible for children of any age in any capacity, (laughs) it sends a shiver down your spine that how real life and how true that felt. I think it's lived in somehow, and that's not a phrase I expected to say revisiting Haddonfield today, but it absolutely (laughs) is. And now we're going to get this bloodbath seemingly in Halloween Kills, but so, yeah, I mean, if it works like that, uh, we're all in. But look, the final sequence is an all-timer, and there's there's a lot of stuff in that final sequence that is great because it pays homage 
to the 1978 film in particular. There's a lot of homages to all the films, which was really mm-hmm. cool about that series. Yes. That was something really cool about the series because, Mike, we were kind of up to our eyes in all those references. At least me. You brought you brought me along to where I could understand them all. And then it ha- the, you know, the new movie rolls out in 2018, and boom, I'm with every, um, every moment of that. I wonder mm-hmm. if I need to re-listen to the MMO Does Halloween before Halloween Kills because you could just you could just watch it with me. I'll I'll, I'll keep you up to date. Okay, so you're gonna just you're just gonna be out loud and be like, "That's Halloween six. I I will say this. I mean, and yes, I'm a crazy person, way too into this series, but I know I'm not alone, which is kind of the beauty of of cult classics like Halloween. I can't even call Halloween a cult classic, but the series of Halloween being kind of a cult ish thing. Uh, I still, I for as many times as I've watched 2018's Halloween, that one shot, that's the homage. Mm-hmm. The, the two shots, I should say, the one where. Jamie Lee Curtis is standing outside the uh, school window Classroom. instead yeah. of Michael. Ma- I, that makes me smile every time. And the other one, of course, in the, one of the climactic scenes where she's disappeared after falling off the balcony when Michael turns back around and she's gone as an homage to how Michael disappeared in the middle of the night in the 78 original. I, I still get all giddy and want to clap at the screen whenever I see that. Yeah, you turn to me. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good moment between us. Uh, yeah, no question about it on our podcast. So I am thrilled that the rewatch holds up so well and I worried about our bias going in. Now, I did have a new revelation, by the way, and here's mm-hmm. where your spoiler comes in for the 2018 yes. Halloween folks. So again, fast forward like a minute. This is all the 2018 Halloween. It's all Dr. Samuel Loomis's fault. <laughs> this is all Donald Pleasance's fault because Dr. Sartain lets Michael go. That's the revelation of, of 2018's Halloween. He lets Michael go inside the bus and then he drives Michael over to to Laurie's bunker because he wants this final confrontation. And there's one obvious reason for this, Michael. Mm-hmm. Donald Pleasance, <laughs> in that voice of his, for 30-plus years, badgered <laughs> his protege psychologist with the hyperbolic contrarian shush rants about Michael's inherent evil when Michael, the patient that Sartain was investi- was investigating in term- and, and evaluating every day for 30 years, was catatonic. <laughs> so here you have, why would a man be catatonic for 30 years? Why would a man do this? And, of course, Donald Pleasance is always like, he's not a man. He's not a man. He's pure Michael. evil. <laughs> the devil's eyes. I- I've lost my ability to do the uh, impression, impersonation, but I... I- that is 100% the reason. He, it, it, I mean, just think about it in terms of you and me. I mean, we hear a film critic hype up a movie at a film festival like a week in advance. And we're, mm-hmm. we are thoroughly pissed off and <laughs> exasperated at that critic. Point. Never mind 30 years of hyperbolic language <laughs> from a very eloquent Dr. Samuel Lo- Loomis. Um, so this is all Loomis's fault. Um, I like the theory. I will say as it's a not critic, a theory. It's a statement. It is <laughs> the, the declaration. statement of fact. <laughs> the um, the Dr. Sartain part of this mm-hmm. is asinine. <laughs> it's <laughs> I, it's the most unnecessary part, I feel, of the 2018 movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so surprised. Like we had a problem with it at the time and his heel turn in it and all that. But we had a problem at the time watching 
uh, and, and just saying how ridiculous it was. And, and that's why I'm surprised that so many critics treated this Halloween kills the way they did and why it's getting such low scores. It's like, yeah, this is what you're signing up for, man. I mean, that movie had a doctor be introduced solely for the purpose of literally replacing Loomis to the point where they have Laurie Strode say, Oh, you're the new Loomis. (laughs) They did. (laughs) And then he just turns into a bad guy because he's a psychopath. And like you said, his mentor had been feeding him bullshit nonstop for 30 plus years. So some people, some psychopaths are made, and some are born. He was made by Loomis. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, like, this is what we're, this is the content of the film that we're signing up for. What did you expect otherwise, critics? But yes, good call by you. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't know that I can sign off that it's all Loomis's fault, but the Sartain part of this probably is. Yeah. Well, I, I think you need to come along with me on that. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you need to listen, to, re-listen to the MMO Does Halloween <laughs> series, because now it would all come together. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to then, and we were like, yeah, we were upset about the Sartain thing, but we were like, all right, the rest of it's so good, who cares? Right. And we dinged it for that, but now we know. I mean, it was right there in our series. We answered <laughs> our own questions before the questions even came up, and now it's just dawned on me like an epiphany. <laughs> One of the greatest I've ever had. So uh, you you got to get come along. you got to waste it. And really, in that vein, can you even blame Dr. Sartain after all that? Is it I even can't. his fault? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would travel around with a hook pin opportunistically looking to release this catatonic patient any chance I got. I I were on a prequel (laughs) series where this guy just tries to, like, he keeps nudging Michael, trying to push him on other people. (laughs) He's nudging the guy to step over the... uh, you know, the, the square every time. <laughs> Comfortably Whoopsie. putting Michael in the back seat with a potential victim. Yeah, you know. <laughs> always. I'm sure he was always doing this. All normal stuff. All normal doctor stuff. <laughs> Michael, we have to review the Halloween Kills final trailer here. So we're this is the centerpiece of this episode because we got a trailer that I think hypes us up more than... I mean, let's let's be honest. Even if Venice had great reviews, this trailer would hype us up more than the Venice great reviews. If if anything, we would be suspect of the great reviews now because this is an old school kind of hype video for a great fight, for a great showdown. Haddonfield versus Michael Myers. They lean into the the posse. They they lean into this crazed maniac that is going to be, you know opposed by the entire town at large and the fact that we get 1978 old cast members coming back and featured in this trailer it it makes it it, all the more uh in depth and and layered for us i saw somebody refer to it as the haddonfield avengers coming back to take down their (laughs) version of thanos which i thought was kind of cool but yeah i mean it's an homage to i think halloween four i want to say where the town of haddonfield had like a big climax and hunted down michael it's 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 kind of a unique idea in its own right Mm. it makes sense that this guy who's this You know, he is still a man, I guess, even though he's more than a man because he survived the fire, which is alluded to in the trailer. Uh, He's he's coming back and returning town and he's just a a murderous psychopath. And so they're trying to band together. I hope he slits hundreds of throats. (laughs) Here we go. This is horror trilogies. And I'm just so baffled. Like, what do you expect as a critic? And maybe Mm -hmm. the, the plot is this flimsy and it's worthy of all these bad grades. I don't know. But like. For me, horror trilogies have a very specific blueprint, and it's 
the cat and mouse game of one, and that's kind of what made Scream so unique, is that it didn't really follow this blueprint, but otherwise it's the cat and mouse confrontation of the first part that leads to, like, a, a, a duel where nothing, nobody, maybe nobody dies. I can't say nobody ever dies, but maybe nobody, main players die. Mm-hmm. The second one is supposed to be a huge bloodbath. That's just, it's supposed to be this rage-fueled revenge bloodbath movie, and then the third part is supposed to be a climactic finale showdown conclusion. I'm expecting, we've already had uh, uh, the producer, I forget the son's name, Akkad, come out and say the third movie, the third trilogy, the closing of this, Halloween Ends, is going to be much more contained. Again, that makes sense to me, because this one's supposed to be out of control, and just supposed to be this rage-fueled horror showdown where it's Michael against the town of Haddonfield, which is what this trailer suggests. So my question is, can we get Laurie Strode to the big final showdown in part three? That's my main concern coming out of this trailer. So I guess if you took a gondola to the theater where you drank some <laughs> you know, high-class wine and you're all dressed up in a tuxedo and you walk a red carpet and you mm-hmm. say multisyllabic words to everybody. Right. Right. Before and afterwards. And you, you go, you go and sit down. Denis Villeneuve to uh, watching Michael Myers just spin in a circle with knives out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if that's your frame of reference before a movie like this starts, I mean, maybe I'm rationalizing it like you said. Maybe this movie is just going to be dumb and gross mm-hmm. and forget about it and it doesn't work. And we'll, we'll see what kind of critics we are made of. <laughs> or we are we are actually in fact what we're what we in fact are made of if we dislike this movie I, that would that would say the most about us in, in terms of anything but yes this is going to be the dark second act to the Hollywood trilogy and that's not mm-hmm. just something for horror trilogies even though you're you're right on there but this is something for all trilogies uh, and, and let's just say most trilogies in Hollywood history, from The Empire right. Strikes Back to The Temple of Doom, etc., etc., you get kind of the the chase film. I, I would say that the you would get the, the simple primal plot in that second movie, and here here we go, where it's just going to be Michael on the rampage in the town trying to stop Michael and setting up that third finale. Now. This trailer does a great job of adding to those stakes because are we going to get Michael unmasked finally in a movie that, uh, well, you know, shows the real shape behind the uh, behind those eyes that should have been shown in the original film, even though they cast somebody else to play it? I mean, are we are we really getting the right actor to prove he's Michael here? I wonder if we're going to get Michael saying something not in this movie. In the third part, I think we're going to get him saying something finally. Yeah. David Gordon Green already kind of defied expectations in playing with the mask in the first one. Like, we had enough shots of Michael the man unmasked where we can kind of see the actor who was playing what he looks like, right? The silhouette, I would say. The, you know, unfocused face. I mean, he almost looks yeah, like Yeah, I mean, you don't, get the, you, know, you don't get the money shot of him spot straight on. Are we going to get that in this point? I would... I would guess not only because there's so much of this set up that like, you know, no man could have survived that fire. This is the embodiment of evil. This isn't, this is all stuff said in the trailer. Mm -hmm. they're, They're hammering so hard that he's kind of morphing from a man to this idea of this faceless evil, which is what Michael Myers has always supposed to have been throughout the, uh, legacy of Halloween. I think the firemen are going to 
save him though from the fire no because that's the thing like these firemen you when you go i guess it's halloween the fact that it's halloween actually sets everything up makes this all plausible i guess because he's in that basement it's on fire the firemen break through with the axe and and save him because they think it's just a costume idiot within the basement (laughs) caused the fire instead like he returns the favor he returns their kindness by brutally murdering all yeah if it was on halloween 21st you know the 21st of halloween instead of the 30th first it would be a whole different 21st of october you mean october right uh (laughs) you would just go there and uh as a fireman and you would say not we're all clear (laughs) oh that's michael myers we should probably let him burn (laughs) yeah get out of here let them find it the bones later Very curious to see the incorporation of the 78 original. Uh, There's a couple flashes in this that we're going to get more into what they're going to do and what I hope to see or what might we might see. But there's a couple flashes in this trailer referring to the 78 original. I can't really tell if that's taken from the film itself or if it's all computer animated and computer imposed. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Marion, who's Dr. Loomis's nurse, played by Nancy Stevens, who seems to be in line to be the single character most killed by Michael in any of these. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Nancy Stevens. So good for her. (laughs) Didn't she die already in like H2O? Yeah. Yeah. She, I I don't think there's going to be a character that's been killed. That's one single same character who will have been killed as many times in a Halloween. Oh, I thought she was most clearly killed in the trailer. No, 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 no. no. She's just, uh, she, that character, that Marianne character just keeps coming back and keeps getting murdered. (laughs) All right, that's very true, uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we loved Halloween H two O probably the most on, on sequels, mm-hmm. but I, I had a a lot of respect for both Halloween two. So that's what I, I am curious to see. You said you're wondering how much it's gonna you know send up the seventy eight original. I'm curious to see how much we'll get of the eighty one sequel. And then maybe of the Rob Zombie vignette that we yeah. that's probably the best version of Halloween two we ever got. Just like all Halloween minutes. two seemed to uh, seem to take place in the Haddonfield Hospital for at least a little bit. So, and that's where we're we're obviously going back there. This one we've seen it in the trailer. Got to do it. So okay, the last time we did a react to the critics critics on the critics. <laughs> I don't know what we'll call this about Halloween Kills. You were thoroughly defensive and in denial, and we did a bit. And it was kind of funny, but all right. I don't recall that. Yeah, Yeah, you kind of blacked out there. But all right, (laughs) Halloween Kills, the critical reception. It has 59% right now on 17 reviews out of Venice on Rotten Tomatoes. And I wanted to bring us back to some of these, you know, snapshots, some of these pull quotes on Rotten Tomatoes, Mike, and see what you think now. Kind of force you to react more. more Be more human being than I am a... uh... A caricature of myself. Right. Just the Michael Myers of dad jokes (laughs) in the last episode. So, okay. Here's a quote from Jessica Kiang of The Playlist. The writers stray dangerously close to getting rid of, of the one relationship of any substance at all. The symbiotic link between Laurie Strode and her eternal faceless nemesis. Of all the things Halloween Kills had to kill, why that? So that, to me, uh, reads like someone who's expecting or or maybe still stuck in the original Laurie timeline because I felt like the 2018 Halloween kind of went out of its way to establish that, 
yes, obviously there's a link between Laurie and Michael, but it's not necessarily this Star Wars type dance between the Jedi and the dark side. Mm -hmm. Like they're not a yin and yang to each other. This is a regular American woman who was severely traumatized by the literal embodiment of faceless evil and how her coping mechanisms can best be utilized after that evil returns to her life. What the 2018 movie also did was show that we're so inundated. We had the nine or 10 or whatever it is, previous films, Michael's after Laurie, Michael's after Laurie, Michael's after Laurie. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily the case in 2018. Michael was just murdering. I mean, he was just evil. He was just on a murder psychopathic rampage. Yes. So, yes, there is always going to be a link between Michael and Laurie, obviously, but the 2018 setup went out of its way to say that Michael and Laurie aren't family members. There's no familial, no kinship relationship. Uh, it went out of its way to establish that Michael is just going to, he just has a bloodlust. And now, according to the trailer for Halloween Kills, we at least have somewhat of a motivation that he's trying to get actually get back to his childhood home. Which is not Laurie's home? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, Laurie, you know, the timeline gets muddled. They'll have to do some kind of explanation to it. But if you go by canon, Michael and Lori weren't revealed as brother and sister until 81's Halloween 2, yeah. which doesn't happen in this timeline. It's been retconned. So there is no yin and yang link, no familial link between Lori and Michael. So I, I guess we could celebrate the Lori and Michael stuff because it kind of had its pinnacle in the sequels. And, and again, these are non-canonical now, right? Because... Mm-hmm. We, we went and we retconned it with 2018, but H2O, that doorway scene was worth all the Laurie and Michael connection story yeah, nonsense. Agree. Absolutely. Uh, we love that as one of our favorite moments of the rewatch. So, cool. so in 2018, you're right. We got the British podcasters who bring him the mask. It's Dr. Sartain that brings him to Laurie's compound. In this trailer, Will Patton's Officer Hawkins, he does say... And it confirms to us that Michael's going back towards his childhood home. But if that's not Lori's childhood home, it has nothing to do with Lori and her compound. And you're absolutely right. That connection from the beginning doesn't matter as much, even though, of course, Michael's probably recognize her if he's catatonic for 40 years, fixating on that one night or whatever went on in his brain. It, but even if it wasn't, it was such a unique event for his life that he could recognize Laurie Strode sure. 40 years later trying to kill him. And, of course, Laurie Strode has been fixated on him for 40 years. So that I mean, connection's worthwhile still there. This went from, like, from cat chasing the mouse and the eternal chase of Laurie Strode to Laurie is now hunting Michael. Right. Like, Laurie's kind of taking on the burden of becoming the defender of Haddonfield from this evil. She's taken it upon herself, not necessarily that that Michael's coming after her, more so that Michael's just going to do harm if he's left to his own devices. It's her life's work now to kill yeah. this guy. <laughs> right. Simple as that. She, right. She prayed every day for him to escape so that she can kill him, right, from 2018. So Wants to see the life leave his eyes, yeah. All right, critics, you're 0 for 1. Uh, my <laughs> mic has you. Uh, one oh, but okay. And by the way, I I want this on the record. I understand how biased I am. All right, <laughs> like I am totally speaking from no, the no, place no, of no, protecting. No. Right, I good. think I think you have that one. Uh, this unbiased judge would give you good. The, the point okay, there, good. sir. But okay, let's see if you can get this next point. Uh-huh. This is from Nicholas Bell at IonCinema.com. 
If the last installment gave us some thoughtful subtext on grief and trauma, all characters in this sequel across the board feel extremely futile. Yeah, I think that actually makes a lot of sense, especially if you go by the blueprint that this seems to be shaping up to be. I mean, it's also probably why if this is going to be just a rage-fueled bloodbath for 90 minutes or 100 minutes. It's probably why the decision was made to bring back characters. And in a lot of cases, and a credit to the filmmakers, the thespians who yeah. played those original characters 40 years ago. There's less need for introduction and expository and, and setup. And it's basically like, look, here are the characters. You know who they are. They're here. Michael's back. All right, let's get to the stabbing. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. I think it makes sense. So by agreeing with this critic, you don't lose a point. You both get the point. I think it's the... uh, (laughs) Anyway, I keep trying to make a game of this, but you're right. Charles Cyphers, he played Lee Brackett back in 1978, and he's coming out of retirement right now. He hasn't acted since 2009 to play Lee Brackett again. Uh, He's, of course, the guy that uh, started all the Dr. Loomis ranting and raving. I mean, (laughs) the fact that he asked him those questions, he was just asking for, you know, 40, 35 years of creating. I like that you're on the war path here to like undermine all of Loomis's life's work. (laughs) Absolutely. It's his fault. Some people are just insufferable, even if they're right. Even if they're right. We learned that from the big Lebowski, but you you said Nancy Stevens is Marion. She's Mm -hmm. Dr. Loomis's the most patient assistant ever uh, from Halloween 78, uh, Halloween 2 and 81, and of course H2O. Kylie Richards played Lindsay Wallace, who was Tommy Doyle's little kid, little girlfriend back then. I in- don't even think she was a working actress for the last 20 some odd years. She they just brought her back. back to reprise this role. Unbelievable. Un- yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. And then which I'm sure you covered moment by moment, day by day. I wanted this so badly. They were going to cast Paul Rudd to come back as Uh. Tommy Doyle, but now, get ready for this grudge, folks. (laughs) Paul Rudd is instead going to be in Ghostbusters Afterlife, where he was stuck on production because he's the star of that huge franchise Mm -hmm. reboot. So instead, they get Anthony Michael Hall, who, of course will be here to forthwith always be connected to Paul Rudd on casting rumors, <laughs> saith Mike, Mike and Oscar forevermore. The only bright side to this is that I don't have to worry about Paul Rudd getting killed on screen. I'm okay with Anthony Michael Hall getting killed on screen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we, we just are, right? We, we thought he was going to die in like half the movies he's been in. Like, how is he not right. the Sean Bean of everything right. right now? But okay, you read me this quote because I, I, I want to I get in sure. on some of this. You can't have all the fun. Go ahead. <laughs> this is from Philip DeSimeon from Time Out. It all feels so rote and old school, especially during such an exciting era for the genre. Yeah, I, I gave a goofy setup, but I, I'm actually going to answer this seriously because if it's like this rote color by numbers kind of plot, then I may be upset if it doesn't deliver cool scares or whatever. I, I do wonder what the exact structure of this story is going to be because there are many varieties of the monster on the loose story. It started mm-hmm. with Frankenstein where you have sympathy for the monster and you get the creation of the monster. It's a very you know biblical kind of uh, tale there. But then you also have just many versions of a chase movie where a lot of those become, especially with creature features, you know, be careful what you hunt for, and the hunter becomes the hunted, especially in these, you know, creature features that are kind of in a, you know, uh, claustrophobic 
environment sure. and and we we see them all the time like this expedition finds this huge snake and then you got to battle the huge snake uh why were you looking for the huge snake in the first place you're idiots but did you just go. reference anaconda absolutely uh, and <laughs> okay i wish i could have done the john Voigt voice uh when it's been that, a long but- time since i had a woman so I wonder what's going to make you and I happy with this plot line. What are we going to allow? What are we going to allow to be dumb, I guess I should say? Is it just enough to have Michael raging havoc, the posse is formed, and then the posse tries to attack Michael, and they immediately get just, you know, berserkered? Oh, my God. Right. I'm hard. OK, so um, that's you. That's that's enough for you. <laughs> well, no. What, I, listen, my what to please me, like I, I have such a hard time thinking I'm going to be disappointed with this because of how 2018 was handled versus how I saw like a Rob Zombie. No offense to him. That was his vision. But, you know, that left a sour taste in my mouth and a lot of Halloween fans mouths like we survived. We lived through that. I can't imagine this gets as gritty and as gross, quite frankly, as a lot of that Halloween get us. I can't imagine David Gordon Green lets it get to the point of absurdity where a Buster Rhymes is able to kick Michael Myers' ass like <laughs> happened in Halloween Resurrection and live to talk about it. Like, I, I just, I trust the filmmakers, Well, that's, I guess is what I'm getting at. That's a relief. And that's also a worry now with, you know, several stories that have been out there that we're going to get mm-hmm. to here. But, okay, we have to talk about the context and we do a lot of news shows, but we got to talk about the recent news that we've been reading about Halloween Kills. And, of course, that is centered on its day-and-day day release with Peacock, Michael. And Screen Rant put out a uh, an article, on, you know, overanalyzing the Twitter uh, Twitter feeds, by the way, because they, they basically came out and outed the Halloween Kills Twitter account for hiding the replies of of peacock and peacock did like four or five or whatever how many so what did, uh, what did that mean mike i didn't read this article you did so peacock was like oh we're so ready it's coming to us and blah 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 and here we have the halloween kills account just hiding these replies they don't want peacock replies on their thing whatever that means okay. so i've been kind of wondering because it's been a theme for a while with a lot of filmmakers during this streaming era, during this COVID era of, hey, we made this film for cinemas and you're putting it on a streaming service and this streaming service is not even all that successful. And what's happening to our movie? What are you doing with our movie? You're screwing us on the deal or not or whatever. We've seen all different variations of this. We've been covering it for the last 18 months. Yep. I'm wondering if these filmmakers are upset that this has gone streaming and I guess I'm wondering. Uh, to, uh, we're going to go into the box office and what we, what you are going to project here, but I'm wondering how many people are going to subscribe to Peacock Premium at 4.99 or Peacock Premium Plus at 9.99, which it says on the Screen Rant article that you have to pay if you want to watch Halloween Kills at home. It's not affiliated with the free Peacock that a lot of us probably have just with our cable services now, with the ads-driven version of Peacock that we have now. No, you're going to have to add a subscription, uh, another monthly subscription uh, bill to, uh, you know, your ledgers there. Well, thank God COVID's still going on, huh? Um, so I, you kind of explained my biggest question away for me, I guess, then, because I was wondering the fact that they're not 
the Peacock Universal is not doing anything extra with this. They're not doing what, you know, a Disney Plus, a Premier Access Plus, where you got to pay $30 on top of it. They're not doing Amazon Prime's Early Access, where you got to pay $20 per show, mm-hmm. even though that's those types of offerings have proven to have box office success for the studios and for the mediums that are offering them right. less than for the actual theater, theatrical box office, obviously. But the fact that Peacock's not doing that, so this to you is just a straight subscription bump play. Absolutely. And this is kind of like Soul and Luca, early days Disney Plus, mm-hmm. both gave Disney Plus bumps uh, in terms of their subscriber numbers. We we noticed those after the quarters and they were you know, that their subscriber number bumps were attributed to, to Soul and Luca, especially during the holidays there. Borat 2, uh, Coming to America on Amazon Prime, same deal. But think, most of all, every single WB movie on HBO Max. Now, the difference, of course, is that HBO Max announced a whole slate of films coming for a whole year, and they stuck to that, which I think was a kind of a delayed reaction for HBO Max where they... I think they ha- they faced a lot of uh, obstacles to getting that subscriber number bigger because a lot of people already had HBO and right. just activated, so they had right. to get you know people over the top of that. So they had to put all their big IP there, which so- is kind of I mean Peacock has a very similar struggle right now. Yeah, because I mean I didn't know about the uh, the enhanced Peacock plans, the pre- premium plans that they have to you have to go through to be be able to access this film, and it's I don't confusing. know. I don't know that a lot of people are flocking, pardon the pun, to Peacock in the first place. I mean, they don't have a deep well of, you know, if you're looking apples to apples versus what every streaming service has. Right. I don't think Peacock is necessarily thought of in the same vein or having the same depth that an HBO Max or that a Disney Plus has to offer. Because I think everybody can kind of get NBC in some way, shape or form, ad driven or otherwise. Obviously, you can get Peacock. But what is exclusive to Peacock Premium they don't have a whole slate of movies from Universal like uh, you know HBO Max does, but they did have Olympics and they did have the you know the NBA basketball or mm-hmm. the, the you know the, the men's basketball Olympics at midnight, and that was one thing I, I ran up against a few times where I was thinking about watching the <laughs> you know the live version right. of uh, the the U.S. national team there couldn't do it. Ba- Boss baby, family business, this totally went over my head. But that was their other big day and date play that you're going to get into in in a minute. But Halloween Kills is kind of a different animal. Number one, the last movie made $250 million on a $15 million production budget, Halloween in 2018, Mike. So this movie is probably similarly sized. Maybe they boosted it by $20 million. But this is Blumhouse. Blumhouse is known for having smaller budgets. I mean, we mm-hmm. just saw Candyman with a $25 million budget make about 70 at the international box office. So that movie probably did well enough to be in the profit zone now that it's on VOD, etc. So this movie, Halloween Kills, might do something similar to Candyman and still get subs. So it might be profitable, a rare case of being profitable, both as a streaming, you know, a subscriber grab and just in terms of the box office yeah so what will it do box office wise well uh thankful to rebecca rubin of variety who broke down the numbers for the last universal sequel which did go day and day on peacock as well which michael just told you about was boss baby 2 looking at those numbers boss baby 2 in the theaters ended up doing 105 million between a 57 domestic 48 international split 
compared to the 527, good God, the first Boss Baby wow. movie was a half a billion dollar property. 527 million was the 2016 original Boss Baby film. That's what it did in theaters. So looking at those numbers, Boss Baby 2 was almost exactly 20% of what Boss Baby 1 did in theaters. So if you believe in that math, you're probably looking at Halloween Kills doing around 51 million worldwide at the box office, which would be about a fifth of the 255 the 2018 Halloween film did. Now, I personally am a little more bullish, uh, not only because of bias, but yes, that's there too. But I think there's a few objective reasons for hope. Uh, one, Boss Baby's 2016 movie relied more on the international box office for its worldwide gross, whereas the 2018 Halloween uh, entry had a $159 million domestic take. It yeah. made far more domestically than it did internationally, $96 million international take. We know people are starting to go to the theaters more now than they were when Boss Baby 2 was released. True. We know family movies and horror movies can make money at the box office right now, provided that they're the right type of family and horror movies. What that means is that they're the type of films that people actually care about spending money on seeing, which I think in a we both think Halloween is. Yeah. I mean, that's the type of franchise people want to see in a theater. It's a type of franchise with a built-in audience. And as far as blockbuster or major studio competition at the theaters goes... Look, by the time October 15th rolls around, Bond's going to have been out a week already. Venom will have been out two weeks. And the other blockbuster debuting on the 15th alongside Halloween Kills is Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, which probably doesn't have that big of an overlap in audience between Halloween Kills. Probably not. (laughs) So, yeah, I I agree with you on being bullish on this. I mean, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Conjuring 3 there wound up topping off at over $200 million at the worldwide box office, and I think 70 of it came uh, domestically, and that was when the audience was less. We've seen the mm-hmm. audience. This is not guesswork. This is proven by the numbers that the audience has grown theatrically, not just in terms of the you know weekends that we've been seeing rip, grow and grow and grow uh, incrementally, but we, we're seeing it in terms of the, the holds on films because hopefully this pandemic is starting to subside at least a little bit. So yeah, when they put the $82 million boss baby family business in terms of its production budget on day and date, that felt more like out of necessity trying to get subscribers and whatnot for Peacock than what we're dealing with now with Halloween kills. So I guess I'm wondering where Peacock is at. So I'm kind of taking this from the other side of the coin in terms of the streaming angle because we remember a year and a, you know 15 months ago, whatever it was, when Godzilla vs. Kong was coming out. Well, that's earlier this year. But when HBO Max was around 30-something million subscribers and they they built up a few more through the Wonder Woman Christmas into... That spring after the Oscars when Godzilla vs. Kong came out. And we saw Godzilla vs. Kong get $99 million domestically, right? Mm-hmm. We flash forward to August when you have the Suicide Squad, which you would think is kind of comparable to the Godzilla series. It did right. more. I mean, the original Suicide Squad did $750 million worldwide. Right. I mean that's got to be more than the Godzilla versus you know and the Kong movies which were like 4 or 500 million I'm mm-hmm. guessing I didn't relook that up but Conjuring made 320 Conjuring 2 last time it was in theaters so Conjuring 3 for that to make 200 million 
And for Suicide Squad to make slightly less than that makes no sense whatsoever in terms of domestic box offices. So, yes, you could argue that, okay, maybe the Suicide Squad just wasn't the draw. And Godzilla vs. Kong and Conjuring 3 were better draws. And Halloween Kills is a better draw than Boss Baby or vice versa. And it all depends upon the draw. I don't know. I, I do think there's an argument to be made for you there. And that product and certain project product will drive the exclusivity of your streaming service and mm-hmm. vice versa of your movie theater. But I guess at the end of the day, I see HBO Max, especially all their lesser titles like Reminiscence to Cry Macho, I, you see those grosses going down. And I think they're going down because there's just so many more HBO Max subscribers. There was 30 million when Godzilla vs. Kong came out. And how many were really active? Now there's at least 69 million confirmed activation uh, activated subscribers. And that was the last quarter. So they're probably up around 80 now, I would guess. That's a good point. They're in the that's 80s. So that's a, such a that's such a larger audience by, you know, 40 million people in terms of viewerships, in terms of potential movie ticket buyers. So Peacock's in a similar state. Peacock, the last they uh, released numbers, according to my Googling, was 54 million. And that was like a quarter or two ago in terms of subs. But they did not specify whether those subs were Peacock Premium or just regular subs, the freebie subs. Yeah, are those active users or not, yeah. So Peacock might be going through what HBO Max went through. They need Mm -hmm. a movie before they commit a whole slate of programming. They need a movie to kind of jumpstart, which is kind of what HBO Max did. They're like, all right, here's Wonder Woman, or here's Mm -hmm. something, and and let's jumpstart. Let's see if this works. And I think just according to what HBO Max has done, I think the older viewer, the parent viewer, the people our age, Mike, like we gravitate to the product. So you've said this a hundred times on the show, you know, moviegoers are probably, some of them are welcoming the fact that they could just flip something on at home and watch something new and exclusive at home day and date. They're probably happy for that because they just can't, schlep it to the movies like they used to because they got kids they're they're clicking on it at 10 o'clock at night or whatever and they just want to see a new movie and they're happy to have it and this could be the case for them and forcing them to sign up for peacock premium and 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 that's a huge play for peacock premium now they're gonna have to announce the slate behind it but this is a good kicking off point for them yeah it's good for the streamer but anything that's good for the streamer means probably a detriment to the theatrical in the box office and there's more than just that one detriment to how this could do halloween kills at the theaters and at theatrical box office as well i mean obviously if you are between going to see two movies and spending money at a movie theater to see one of two movies well if you know halloween kills you can catch that for quote unquote free at home if you're a peacock member or peacock premium member already you're going to spend your money on a different movie there um October is absolutely loaded as well, which we've talked about numerous times. So if Halloween Kills doesn't have a great opening weekend, which it may not, if people are willing to believe and listen to the critics or the tomato meter or whatever, if it doesn't have a great start out of the gate, it may never actually recover. And yeah, I mean, COVID, like we keep saying, by the way, is still a very real thing. It's the viral version of Michael Myers that's still hunting us all. So <laughs> there's there's very real reasons to still be concerned about not only theaters in general, but how this movie is going to do in theaters. I think it's an interesting case study 
I still choose to be slightly bullish in my prediction, relying on the fact that this is an established IP. It's a sequel to a well-known franchise. It's a horror movie. It's something with a built-in audience. And I'll feel even better about it if we can see the consistency with these other well-known IPs or established IPs doing well. I mean, Shang-Chi wasn't really well-known, but Marvel's a well-known entity, and Shang-Chi did very well. If Venom does very well, I'll feel even better about Halloween being able to do very well for itself at the box office. But officially, I'll go on the record. I'll say it opens up in the 30 to $40 million range or somewhere just under half of the opening of 2018, $76 million opening that Halloween 2018 did. I'll say it gets near, if not at the $100 million domestic mark. It'll be around 80 to 90 million, maybe when all things are said and done. And that's where I envision this movie going. And if that's where this goes, despite day and date Peacock releasing, I think that's a win for everyone. I think it's a win for the studio. I think it's a win for Blumhouse. I think it's a win for theaters as well. So it's still a win for theaters, but obviously it could have been a a much bigger win. Which is always, that's the asterisk around anything when we talk about day and date releasing anymore. And any horror movie, but you connect that to, you connect that to like studios and how much they put into the film. Like if this is a twenty million dollar budget, you know, movie theaters. I don't know how concerned they are necessarily with the budget size. They're not obviously. So, but they're 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 concerned that this could have been a big summer play or this could have been a big you know you know Halloween day release or whatever when. You know, there wasn't a, a huge tentpole released on that date. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, they could be leaving a couple hundred million on the table. Anyway, uh, this wouldn't be the first time I laughed at something horrible. But a few moments ago, you might have heard me giggle when Mike said that uh, COVID is the Michael Myers of uh, <laughs> of diseases. And I, I laughed at that because I was like, all right, well, last time we were talking is because I was like, you know, quarantined at home basically because i mm-hmm. thought i was you know exposed to covid i did not get it folks fyi as far as i know yeah <laughs> so i'm okay <laughs> but i'm now you know now jinxing myself it's like yeah i i passed by a certain house on haddonfield lane but i didn't uh, <laughs> didn't go in <laughs> of course i wouldn't um and i heard yeah i heard bad things happened uh that day but i i got out of the way <laughs> so i'm good, good um Well, let's focus from the box office to what we can expect or predict or hope to see. Uh, I don't know what you're most looking forward to from this movie. I can run down a list of things I'm at least intrigued by before we talk about what we think will actually happen with the characters. Yes, final predictions time. So this is M1's final predictions before kind of a Deadpool to finish this thing off. Yes, please. I think... I'm predicting a highlight will be kill creativity because if this is going to be the bloodbath and it's going to be a pretty paint by numbers script, like you've alluded to, like uh, the critics have alluded to, so you're believing you gotta have, yeah, I, I do. You gotta have creative kills. And I, I believe, you know, if you're going to kill that many people, you can't all just, you can't just stab everyone. Well, <laughs> Rob know? zombie showed us that you can, right? That's true. But that's after true. a lot of bad dialogue and before throwing them into mirrors. Yeah. Mm. That may be the uh, the exception that proves what my rule that I'm talking about. So again, I would we like this. some things about those two zombie right. movies. But yeah, <laughs> um, I am 
curious. I don't, this isn't really a prediction, but it's something I'm really looking forward to again. How are they going to work in the 78 original? I, I tried stopping the, the trailer to kind of examine, but there's the way that Jamie Lee Curtis's young face is lit in that one look we get that looks like it's from the 78 original. I don't know if they're going to reshoot those, if they're going to be actually just taken from the 78 original uh, and, and superimposed or updated, if it's going to be true to life. I'm very curious to see what they do with referencing or the original Halloween. And as far as leftover stuff in that similar vein, mm-hmm. I want to see what happens with the leftover people. We didn't get much from the sheriff of the original one, played by Omar Dorsey, the uh, Sheriff Baker character. We did. We still have that little kid, Julian, who's right. on the cast list on IMDb, who's running around somewhere, Jabril oh, cool. Nantambu. He's, he's listed here. Um, there's a guy, Mike, a, an actor named Nico El Santo Zavero, mm-hmm. who plays deputy in this movie. And the only reason I bring him up, not that he was in the first one, I don't think, but if you go on his IMDb page, the video next to his picture is a six minute and 40, 46 second demo reel. That's just his face deep faked on a bunch of other uh, already established and shot movies. Like it's his face on the Wolf of Wall Street, Margot Robbie's. It's, it's hilarious. It's great. That is brilliant. You were describing it uh during the pre-show and i was dying laughing so glad you told the people on that so yes i think there's a lot of side characters just the boyfriend who's in the bonnie and clyde costume right yeah uh, he he's still alive and, and roaming around the u.s marshal and the the sheriff will Patton, and yeah we don't know what's going to happen to these characters or how much more we may care about those characters and like you said there are the throwback throwback uh thespians to 1978 sure and yes we'll do the Deadpool right now because who's going to live? Who's going to die? I don't know if we can start anywhere else but with Laurie, though, because this has been a thing for you yeah. forever. And now I've been really enjoying getting on your case about taunting this. me, <laughs> taunting you about this because, all right, I have a conspiracy theory on okay. why Laurie Strode dies in oh Halloween Kills. Okay. Oh, I don't like this. I'm- a, A. Maybe the low critic scores are because of a bummer factor. Oh. It is a bummer that Laurie Strode died too soon. And maybe this movie is not as bad as they say. Maybe it, they're all, you know, griping about the fact that oh, she died in. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. B. We had that already. B. Maybe Jamie Lee Curtis was given this tribute for Halloween Kills at the Venice Film Festival, Michael, because she can't be tributed, you know, in Halloween Ends because she's not going to be in Halloween Ends. So maybe the royal treatment at Venice was the nod to her particular involvement in this movie because it was now or never. I don't like how much sense you're making. See, it doesn't get better. (laughs) trilogies throughout Hollywood history have that dark middle, like we said. Mention the movies. If you have tragedies in your series, especially in your reboot quill whatever series, they typically happen in that second of the three films. We we just saw it with A Galaxy Far, Far Away. So if you're going to kill off Laurie Strode trying to, you know, reboot the franchise with new characters, perhaps... And this could all be Jamie Lee at Jamie Lee's behest, mind you, if she's anything, you know, like certain other vintage, you know, movie stars and actors from a a bygone era. Could she have been pushing for this? That would be to me. That's more likely in this film than the next one. 
I, I don't like any of this. You right, made D, me mad. D, is there really a chance that all three generations of these women survive for the third film? Or does this elemental, primal, simple second part have to pay off? You know, they have to pay off the simple plot line of just monster versus people, people versus monster with an important kill that needs to be avenged in the third movie. Like, wouldn't that have to happen? And I could see the younger generations have to avenge grandma. I could see her sacrificing herself for Judy. Thinking about this, do we see her in anywhere other than the hospital scenes in the trailer? Oh, no, exactly. We see her on the... What if she dies early? I don't like this. I may not watch this movie now. (laughs) (laughs) You've talked me out of it. I have one more. God damn it. (laughs) E, I think it's a whole lot of BS why the filmmakers have talked about not shooting kills and ends back to back. The filmmakers said all right, we're too busy with shooting the second one that we couldn't figure out how to shoot the second and third ones. No. When conglomerates are involved, the decisions are left up to the higher-ups and in the conglomerates. Unless your name is Christopher Nolan and Peter Jackson or James Cameron, and even those probably would go up against some high powers, especially in the uh, post-tenant world where Christopher Nolan kind of had things blow up in his face. So... I'm guessing the studio put the kibosh on the back-to-back productions because why? They did something that needs to be retconned, perhaps? Uh... With ends <laughs> after kills? So, all right. That's obviously... Those are five reasons where I think I could also God. play devil's advocate against myself. And that's the thing. Like, if you want to market this movie, and it comes back to it, following the money, if you want to market a third movie then what's going to market it better than Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers, the final, 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 final chapter, right? But Is that not... Um, that, I, I, but we, but, that's, but that, that, to me, like, the only reason you agree to have a trilogy is to have Laurie and Michael end it. Wouldn't you think so? Wouldn't you? I, that's, well, that's what I hold tight to. I mean... <laughs> Just thinking about marketing the movie... Like, Jamie Lee Curtis versus this, you know, sh- the shape versus versus this guy in a mask. You need your movie star, don't you? And it, wouldn't you embrace that if you're Blumhouse and you have the movie star? Especially a movie star that, like, is her popularity has just exploded in recent years. Do I need to go on the Halloween Ends IMDb page and see if Jamie Lee Curtis... Well, it doesn't even matter because she might be in a flashback seat or something. She could be a Star Wars ghost, oh, for all we know. God damn it. Look, I agree with you. You make too much sense, and you've angered me. I agree with you. <laughs> That's a great job by you. I don't think all three Strode women make it. My guess was that Judy Greer's character gets killed off yeah, for good. Yeah, me too. But thinking more about this, I don't think I've seen Laurie Strode in anything that's not a hospital setting in these trailers. So, And I've never thought it was Laurie's hands grabbing at Michael's mask. Oh, well, she does talk about grabbing the mask, but you don't think those are her hands? I thought it those seems were her like hands. such an easy misdirect to do. Could be it. Could, it is an easy misdirect, but they, those look like her hands. I've studied her hand. No, I don't. oh god, I don't know. If I don't want this. 
All right, look it. I I still say the most fitting end in terms of giving my own prediction mm-hmm. would be that Judy Greer dies, and then it's Grandma taking care of yes, granddaughter, that's... second chance, parenting, redemption are complete at the end of it all. The epilogue is her kind of, you know, being the caretaker of her granddaughter, her granddaughter going to high school kind of thing. I that's how it's made sense to me in my mind. But then the question is, so what's the point where how do we get how do we separate Michael and Lori at the end of two then to have there be a three? She's got a well, I mean, if, if Judy Greer dies and that's at and, and Lori Strode feels like she's failed her daughter, then she needs to get vengeance. So, some, you know, how do you separate? Uh, Michael's got to get away from the posse. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, and I also wonder, like, are we going to have a sympathy for the devil type situation? Because part of what made, what got Rob Zombie so much criticism was going to Michael before he was this murderous rampager. If you have an entire town going up against this evil, you got to keep this guy evil, right? You can't have him be Frankenstein's monster where we start feeling sorrow for him, can you? I don't think you can, but I, I just wonder if the third movie is just like, all right, Michael gets away from the posse after killing a lot of them and goes and holds up where only Laurie and, you know, That's one other exactly what knows. I've thought. Yeah. Or like Laurie's hunting him officially now in the third, fish- instead of Laurie hunting Michael in Laurie's compound, like happened in the first one, Laurie's hunting Michael throughout wherever Michael is in his old home, yeah. perhaps, you know, and it's just the whole movie is just them you know, going at it for in real time in a house. That's what I've kind of, yeah, that's what I've kind of set up my own thinking. Uh, I really theoretical knife to the throat here. Uh, do you think Lori survives? Yes, I still think she survives. So that's the thing. This is going to make or break our watch experience of Halloween kills and the people from Venice. If they're listening now, <laughs> I don't know if you can give us some kind of warning, some nuanced warning of some sort, but please, I don't want Lori's got like you have to you can't have a third trilogy like you can't set this up to be the reboot quill trilogy that ends call your movie Halloween ends and not have Laurie Strode in it can you right I want I want a third trilogy after this the reboot quill trilogy (laughs) where she's in a wheelchair and yeah she's 90 and she's still fighting Michael Laurie and Michael play Yahtzee at the retirement home (laughs) with the highest of stakes and he just like pulls a knife out and tries to stab her across right. the table once in a while. <laughs> but they're too old and frail, so the nurse is like he can't move that quickly. The nurse is able to get over there and time. No, 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 Michael. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'll watch that movie. Let's go through a Deadpool, Mike. Who lives, who dies? All right, Tommy Doyle, Anthony Michael Hall. He's dead, the, right? The deadest I've ever heard. <laughs> Will Patton, Deputy Frank Hawkins. Dead. So I'm I'm conflicted on this one because I would have thought he was a tailor-made guy to be killed in the 2018 movie, and he didn't really do much of anything, right? Not really. I mean, he kind of he kind of knows Michael for for what he is, so he immediately takes him seriously. So there's some authority there. Now, what I really don't want to see is if Laurie does die, and Will Patton it becomes the Will Patton show because he's a recognizable face from all Bruckheimer's movies. Yeah, I don't want that either. That wouldn't sit well with me at all. Um. No. I'm going to say dead. So you're going to say dead. All right. How about the OGs coming back? Charles Cyphers is Lee Brackett. Kylie Richards is Lindsay Wallace. uh, And Nancy Stevens is Marion Chambers. I I would put everything I have that Marion Chambers is dead again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Lee Brackett's an interesting one to me. I don't know that I have uh like, why would you bring him back if you're not going to kill him? Why would he? <laughs> but I don't, I mean, somebody's got to survive other than two Strode women, right? Two out of the three Strode women survive, we're guessing. Because otherwise it makes no Well, I mean, I guess obviously if Lori loses both her daughter and granddaughter. Oh, that could be. That's even more, higher stakes. But then she, but she needs somebody to save. So she needs the granddaughter to save, right? I would think so. She wasn't in a good state in the last movie. So she the the only thing reason she's hanging on is because of her family and that Right. I was just gonna make yeah, her whole ethos is to be this protector. And what happens to her if she has nobody to protect, if she's failed everyone she's tried to protect. Although I guess that could be an interesting investigation revenge uh, into the psychosis of somebody, yeah, suffering such trauma. Like where do you go? What happens when they snap? I don't know. She just, I mean, she can't even go back home and, like, raid her, uh, all her guns. So she goes where? She goes to the police station and takes all the guns? Maybe we were the monsters all along, Mike. We, that's definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Annie Matajek survives? Yeah, I think she survives. She's a teenager high school kid, right? She's got to. She's yeah, the I final would, girl. I would think so. But, well, here's the thing. Do you think that... If Judy Greer survives, then Lori is dead in the third movie, and and the, the her daughter and granddaughter survive, and then Lori sacrifices herself for her family. She, a heroic death. I could see that. Absolutely, I could see that. But that would. But there's be also cathartic. some kind of there's also some kind of poetic justice to Andy Matajek getting murdered, and now both Judy Greer's character and Lori Strode have felt the loss of losing a child in a different way. Oh, can they handle that in a in a slasher movie? I mean, this whole film is about the fact that, all right, this is just a plotting, you know, serial killer movie. It's the embodiment of evil, yeah. It's a slasher. Yeah, so I don't. Th- I think if critics would have tipped that off, I think. Well, this deals You're with... You're probably right. That's probably a good grief. point. Yeah. That's probably a good point. Probably a good point. But wouldn't they also tip off Laurie Strode being killed? May yeah probably that's uh, that you know again the devil's advocate could be played here i don't want jamie lee curtis to die (laughs) how can i personally keep this from happening if i still have to bet i would bet she lives and these are the famous last words everybody (laughs) turns on me after because of the tone of voice that i'm currently speaking and Mm -hmm. we'll officially lose all our subscribers uh, all I know is that we will have a review episode, and yes, uh, if she does die, I will be crying live on air and <laughs> angry. Probably blame you in some way, Mike. So, no, I I am totally blamable right now. That's it, <laughs> guys. Uh, as always, we want to hear from you. Who do you think lives? Who do you think dies? How many bodies does Michael go through? Do you think this is the bloodbath that it seems to be setting up to be? What are your thoughts on Halloween Kills in general about what the critics have said? Uh, you can leave us all of those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at 
com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us right now on the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, we would certainly appreciate you doing that as well. Thank you to all of you who have done so thus far. Michael, a good prep episode for Halloween. We might have another prep episode on the horizon for another blockbuster coming down the pipeline. Uh, but tell the good people what else might be coming from us and some words of wisdom to end on. Well, of course, we're going to continue our Oscar race checkpoint news episodes. And if anything else drops on Halloween kills, we will cover it in those. We've been doing those kind of on a weekly basis. I don't know if we'll do one next week. We may kind of wait till the following week because, like you said, we are going to return to the James Bond character study. That was last year's kind of series that we did before this year doing Too Mike, Too Furious, the Fast and Furious Mm -hmm. rewatch because we like to break off and do these and it's some of our uh, best work. It's some of the most fun we have and Mm. we got the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We got Mission Impossible. We got the Conjuring Universe, go figure, even though we didn't do Conjuring 3, by the way, on the keep up because it was not that good. It was just a map of Connecticut. (laughs) Right? I mean, anyway. Uh, I I feel okay about not doing that one. We've done Pixar. We've done Tarantino. We've done uh, Mank miniseries, uh, Fincher mini, you know, we've done miniseries and long, you know, long form series. So go back to our playlist tab, find, find a series for you and uh, hopefully uh, get to know us through our popular taste, I would say, because yeah, we, we, we do the film studies for all the Oscar movies as well for all these art films, etc. And we're going to do that for October and November. And we're always hoping, I think we're always hoping that some more, you know, that the, the horror films will get nominated and we do as much horror as we can. Yeah. And we, we do a lot of horror stuff around Halloween time, literally on the calendar every year. So we got a huge horror playlist there too. So that'll be the words of wisdom. I was going to quote Dr. Loomis before I came up with the theory that this was all his fault. This reboot quill <laughs> series. And it is. So Blame Dr. Loomis. I'm not going to say the darkest souls are, are not those which choose to exit within the hell of the abyss, <laughs> but those which choose to move silently among us. That was actually, a you know, the reprisal. Uh, I'll give zombie credit for that quote, uh, mm. Dr. Loomis. But no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say uh, go back and listen to our other stuff. Go back there and listen go. to our series, and I'll shamelessly plug that. <laughs> Sounds good. And if you want to blame Dr. Loomis too, let us know that as well, guys. When reality sucks, you can come back to Haddonfield with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.